Hello, and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your hosts, Stephen Craig and Parker Dillman. This is episode 93. So episode 100 comes out at, what, December 28th? Uh, yeah, that's, no, that's the 20, 29th. 29th? 29th. That's the, the, the last podcast of the year is episode 100. Yeah, amazing that we're, we will get there. Unless one of us dies. <laughs> Let's try not to. <laughs> try not to die. Um, but uh, so we're thinking about doing a big like Q&A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, just we have a couple of weeks until then. Uh, so we were thinking uh, people just if you want to put in your, your questions, uh, we will answer them. And they don't have to be electronics related. They could be anything you want. And we'll pick uh, a good chunk of them, yep. and we'll just go through it on the podcast. To be the Macrofab Comment Show, episode one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every one hundred. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it would take a it would take a hundred years to get to a hundred, or something like that. Yeah, and eh, whatever. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so the uh, yeah, so write in your questions to podcast at macrofab com, and we will get all the questions tallied up until that time. Hopefully, we will get more than like two. I hope. <laughs> so yeah look uh looking forward to that i think that'll be fun because uh, and and you know what actually he- here's a suggestion why don't uh why don't we try to keep them uh secret from us uh, why, uh, uh, iris our uh, our um, marketing manager here or director of marketing uh she should get all the questions so we don't even know them until we show up there i go. think that would I be like fun that. that would be a lot so, of fun. Yeah, you can ask us the questions so we can mic you up and then yeah yeah, let's do that. Yeah. That sounds great. And then episode 98 is going to be the Star Wars special. That's right. That's two weeks before. The uh, second annual Star Wars Christmas special Macrofab Engineering Podcast, <laughs> whatever it's called. <laughs> um, we probably won't do video this year. Because it, it was so successful last Yeah, it was so time. successful last year. Yeah, go check out our, our the U- Macrofab YouTube channel. Yes, we have one. Yes. Um, I think there's like... 40 people have maybe have clicked that thing ah it's a little bit better it's like 200 oh that's actually surprising yeah um it is like two hours long that was like what episode 60 something earlier than that earlier than that i something like that yeah i I split up the audio into four parts that was the the audio did really well a lot of people liked it oh yeah and it was a ton of fun yeah so we're gonna do it again and what the episode will cover will basically be what we want into the what we want to see in the new movie, which is episode eight. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. we did it right after, or no, we did it like the day before Rogue One. Yes, last last year. Yeah, and so we'll do like what we want to see, and we'll probably talk about the tech we saw in Rogue One, which is like the Death Star and stuff like that. Right. Um, we talked about the Death Star a little bit, but we want to talk. I want to talk about more like how they used it in that in rogue one all right yeah same thing in the in episode seven um like how they use death star killer and stuff star death killer. star death whatever <laughs> so i actually did just look up the uh the it's like youtube how, how to name things in star wars is take star death killer destroyer and dark side put it in a bucket shake it up and like pull yeah. three items out yeah <laughs> well it has to be more than one yes uh but it could be up to like five up to five. Yeah, so just like whatever until it until it works. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we have 191 views, <laughs> and, I, and I bet you like 190 of those were like the first week. Yeah, pop. So somebody like, else has watched it. Yeah. So yeah, no video this time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's just that was a, the video was a lot of work. Yeah. So, 
Um, but yeah. Okay. So we have the Star Wars and the Episode 100 super special right. Q&A session. Once again, get your questions into podcast at macrofab.com. Yep. All right. So last week I talked about the Jeep Electronics. And so I worked a lot on the uh, cabin board. So there's going to be two boards. One that's inside the cab. One side is inside the uh, engine bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got most of the, the uh, cabin board done. I got all the power done. And I got the microcontroller stuff done, which I basically had to copy and paste because I'm just using the Parallax impeller. So I have all that stuff designed. Um, copy pasted that. Um, I have an IMU on there so I know what angle the board is at and what direction you're going. So you have a compass, <laughs> digital compass. Yeah. Nice. Important, right? Yeah, yeah, critical. Yeah, and I actually was going to put, like, um, since I have the IMU in there and it has a gyroscope, I can figure out what angle the Jeep's at. And so I'm going to have, like, I'm like, I don't know how, how you can test that. Like, when is the breakover when your Jeep falls over? So you have, like, five degrees of warning before you flip it over? Um, I, I, had a, I had a professor once. It was physics two? Physics one? I can't remember what it was. Um, if, you, if you look at the shadow of the vehicle, if the shadow of the vehicle, when it's tilted, is beyond the center line of the, of the center of mass, then it'll tilt. But you still have to compute the center of mass. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can't do that in the Jeep. The Jeep center of mass is right dead in the middle, way down to the ground, right? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> actually, the weight distribution on a Jeep, an older Jeep like mine, is actually like 60-40, 60 in front, 40 yeah, in the rear. Yeah, it's super front heavy. So it's that, well, most cars are like 80-20. Yeah. So it's actually fairly balanced that way, but I don't know how high it is. Oh, and you lifted it a bit, right? Yeah. And it's got, like, armor and stuff, so it's probably even worse. Um, but, yeah, so I don't know that, but I might just, like, like keep jacking it up until it feels like it's getting close and be like, okay, that's going to be the safety margin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for the power, um, 12 volts comes in. And actually on car, car uh, uh, power, it's, like, 14 volts because the alternator. Um it's like 13.9 if yeah. you really want to get down to it. But I just said 14. When I was doing all my calculations, I was doing 14 volts. Um, so I'm using an oh, L. I got to interrupt you real quick. Yeah. Uh, we got. Did you know we got rid of our old oven today? The old electrovert? The old electrovert is gone. Ah. Like full on gone. But this, this is relevant to the story. Uh, and okay. it just came to mind. You're talking about things tipping over. Yeah. Uh, the guy who came to pick it up uh, came with a forklift. And he had to put the forks together really close to each other because yeah. he had to pick it up uh, on the short end, not yeah, the long yeah, end. Yeah, he had to pick it up hot dog style. Yeah, hot dog style, yeah. And so he got extended forks and then put them really close together. And, and, and the way this, this kind of deal worked with this guy who was picking up our oven, it, it's, a, it's kind of a piece of junk. It's been sitting around here for a long time because we got a new oven and we just set it aside and whatever. We worked a deal out with this guy, but the deal was he just comes and picks it up and we're didn't really want to help a whole lot because it's just, that's part of the deal. So he picks this thing up, and I'm sitting outside watching him, and that oven just starts to tip. And I'm just like, oh! And he, he slammed the forks down because that thing was about to go right onto its face. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just, like, yeah. smoking cigarette. Uh, <sighs> yeah, that, that, that actually would have been a lot smoother. But, I mean, luckily he saved it, but I was just like, oh, because it was, it was about to fall. Yeah. So. That- that electrovert oven got us 
that was like three years of production. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. we and we wrote it hard. <laughs> yeah, it was Electrovert Bravo forty fifty. Yeah, um, four zone oven, and we bought it used for six grand. Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, you, no you, six grand delivered. Okay, you got well, you got six grand worth of work out of that thing easily. easily yeah, yeah, you got um, way more. than So that. it's an oven that's it's it was lead free certified. Yeah. But it was like you had to run every heater at a hundred percent all the time to make that. It was, yeah, it was balls free. to the walls. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was definitely not. You, you, it felt like it wasn't designed for it. It was just kind of shoehorned into lead free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it, not like our current our current oven like doesn't even break a sweat doing this lead free stuff. No, 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 no. Yeah, well, no, we we certainly upgraded. Yeah. Uh, and and the, I bet you that old oven, if you replaced all the the blowers on it and all the capacitors, and then ran a lead process, that thing is probably a trooper. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but the whole tipping of large items that came yeah. to mind, I was like, <laughs> I got to tell you about that because you probably didn't know. And I was, no, I didn't. Yeah. It was pretty great. <laughs> I, I wish I knew that. I knew it was going away, but I didn't know it was happening today. Yeah. I wanted to do the send off. Oh, like a Viking syndrome? Yeah. As the guy pulls away with it, you launch a flaming arrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> into his trailer. <laughs> well, and, and on top of that, like, it, it, it wasn't... Or play taps. Yeah, yeah. It was like a... Yeah, it was a small enclosed trailer. It was it was less than an ideal situation, but whatever. It's hey, It sounds like he got it to work. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. They're, now they're, he's got to get, get out of the trailer. Uh, that's on them to take care yeah, of. Yeah, no, but Good that's... Luck. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. So, okay. Back to the Jeep. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my five volt regulator, um, I'm using an LM two, two, six, seven B T J five point N O P B. That, that one, that one. Yeah. It's a TI switcher. Um, I just use the TI web bench to like, Oh yeah. You yeah. get the parameters. Yeah. And it I was like 14, 14 volts. And I wanted like three amps. And uh, which was on the high end, but I'm still like, I'll, I'll get to why I need like that much power for this thing. Um, because it's like, um, the, the switcher that it, it told me to use is a five volt switcher, but it's five amps. So I'm like, mm. that gives me plenty of headroom for what I want to do with it. Um, because I have a for the display, I have a 40 by 4 VFD. Oh, so it's it's pulling some juice. Yeah, that thing pulls about 800 milliamps. At gotcha. five volts, gotcha. so it's quite a bit. So I wanted some extra headroom, which is why I picked three. And this thing's even more headroom with five, so it's like even better. You know, it won't be stressed as hard. So I, you know, less switching noise and all that good stuff. You know, okay, so th- that's one of the things that's actually kind of annoying about switch switch mode power supplies. You gotta love them because you can get almost anything you want out of them, and uh, most of the time they're they're really killer, but you have to have a pretty good idea of what your load is going to do, mm-hmm. uh, or your efficiency is just absolute garbage. Yep. Uh, so, like, switch mode power supplies give, give you, like, so much control, but you have to know more about yeah, your you circuit. Have to, you have to tune it. Yeah, you yeah. really have to tune it. And so... Like, uh, like with one of the, this guy, I bet you, since it can deliver 5 amps, it's probably 5 amps at, like, I don't know, 75% efficiency or something like that. But if you're asking for 10 milliamps, it's probably only, like, 10% efficient. Yeah. Which isn't a problem, no. you know, because... Yeah, this guy in, in the configuration I have it set up is, like, 90-ish percent. That's so, pretty yeah. good, actually. Yeah. Uh, mainly because I didn't want to... I wanted a switcher here because I didn't want to go from 14 to 5 volts in, in heat loss. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. And yeah. just dump it all and have to figure out how to heat sink that. Well, and that's the biggest problem with uh, um, linear regulators. Yeah, and so for the 3.3 volt line, though, I'm going with an LDO because um, it's going to be all digital circuits, and so I wanted something a little cleaner. And LDOs, and so it's only from 5 to 3.3 volts at that case, so it's not that much power drop, and it's only like, I only need like, like 100 milliamps, something like that. And this is a 100 amp, you know, LDO. It's a ADP333BAKCZ-3.3-RL. Um, I think it's analog devices makes this one. This mm-hmm. is like my go-to LDO. It's like a, uh, I can't remember what that package is called. DPEC? No, it's a T uh, TO223. Isn't that pretty similar three, to two, a DPAC? Three. No, DPAC is like a almost like a um, TO220 that's just laid down. Laid down. Yeah. Almost. People are like, that's not like blah, blah, blah. It's almost <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, You're anticipating. Yeah, people I know. Like, Excuse me, sir. You are incorrect. <laughs> You're incorrect. <laughs> it's close. It's the same, close to the physical dimensions. No, sure. this is like that. Um, it's like half the size of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's still got a, you know, big thermal pad. It's good stuff. What, what's, uh, okay, so for the, for those, I guess, just a real quick, for those who, who don't know, for the linear regulators, the output juice that you have coming from mm-hmm. a linear regulator is regulated to whatever voltage the, the regulator is spec'd at. Yep. Uh, so if you have like a, a 7805, that's a 5-volt regulator and you'll get five volts if you have five volts at one amp coming out then you'll have five watts coming out the output of yep. it. but let's say you put 10 volts into it that 10 volts has to drop to the five volts yeah. on the output with the same amount of current yes. going into and the so regulator if you're, if you're doing five volts at one amp output right. yeah you need to do 10 volts at one amp in that's right so you have 10 watts minus five watts so you have a five watt dissipation right so your whole system is guaranteed inherently 50% efficient at that point. Yes. Only half of the juice that's going in actually hits the device yes. or the load that you want. Yeah. Half your power is heat. Right. So that being said, what's the highest that you've ever hammered a regulator with? The highest voltage drop across the regulator? Oh, man. Um, I don't remember the highest drop. I remember the most sketchiest thing I've built with an LDO. <laughs> Please share. So the um, when we were doing all that Raspberry Pi stuff, I had a the first thing I did was it was the Raspberry Pi um, with the LVDS converter on it mm-hmm. that drove a LCD display. So the LCD display needs 12 volts, and so I wanted all this whole thing to run off one supply. So I had 12 volts coming into the board, and then I needed to drop it down to five for the Raspberry Pi. And so the Five volt regulator on there, I spec at like one amp. Because I thought it was be that would be enough. It was enough, except that the board wasn't big enough to dissipate all that heat. And so I had like, I I stacked pennies because that's the only thing I had. I stacked pennies on top of it, and that worked as a heat sink. As heat sinks, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, it would be it be, scary. and then we're just laying on. It. I didn't have thermal paste or anything. So remember, I'm down in like. I'm like on vacation yeah. trying to test this board out. <laughs> so I just have pennies stacked on it. Did the pennies get pretty hot? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like and screen. it would work for about 10 minutes and then start thermal cycling again. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But without it, it would thermal cycle in like 10 seconds. So the pennies did enough to where you can get some testing done. And then you turn it off, let it cool down, fire it back up, test again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So 
That would have been uh, seven watts of dissipation over a tiny, tiny, way undersized regulator. So it was, it was like, like if I ran a D pack, it would have been big enough. But this yeah. was a whatever that size is. It's just, it was the same package as that two two six or whatever you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, T. It's, it's a SOT, SOT two three three or something like that. Two three two. It's three. a big SOT. Right? It's, yeah. Not not the little guy with legs. No. It is it is it's half the size of a TO two twenty. Uh okay. Can't remember what it is. Anyways, if you look up the ADP three 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 B A K, it's that same package. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's the same guy as that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think I actually was the same chip except it was the dash five point zero, which is the five oh one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so what what about you then? Uh so for anyone who's ever worked with um, high current, low voltage, uh, linear power supplies, you know that the you start to get in some really funky problems when you have to have a transformer that supplies all that current because you start getting into all the effects of the actual winding resistance in the transformer. Uh, as you start pulling more juice, the winding resistance starts dropping your voltage, so you have to do all yeah, these you games. you sag a bit. You sag a lot, actually, and and so you have to back calculate all that. So so in a project I was working on, I needed twelve volts, one and a half amps. Uh, so what eighteen? Yeah, eighteen watts of power. Yeah. Um, and and luckily it was it was just all everything was DC and it was not changing, so I knew that was going to be fixed. Uh, but I didn't know all of my transformer specs, so I ended up going with a I think it was like an 18 volt transformer. So once you rectify that up, you got like 22 two ish. Yeah. Well, yeah. Once you rectify it up and then sag it down, yeah. you get somewhere in that range. I overshot, and so I've got an LM7812 going from 22 down to 12, but I had two diodes on the ground pin, so it was actually I'm sorry, one diode. So it actually bumped that up to 12. Point six. Yeah, you're floating it. I was floating it a little bit. So 22 to 12.6 at one and a half amps. That thing got hot real fast because uh, it was trying to dissipate however many watts. But I, I only actually ran it that way for a real short period of time to make sure that it actually regulated. Uh, I put some dropper transistors across it, uh, and those guys were like the, the brute force guys. So I limited the 7812 such that it only got like 50 milliamps, and all the transistors in parallel with it took all the brunt. Uh, but for a little bit of time, I I had I had one of those two twenty packages like doing ten, like fifteen watts. It's got fifteen percent efficiency. Oh, power supply. yeah, yeah. It's, it wasn't very good, <laughs> but it worked, and it's uh, it's running continual. In fact, I think you and I actually repaired that circuit. Uh, that was in um, one of the amps that I that I uh, I built a while back. Remember the oh, heater circuit went went bad yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. And we yeah. so this was back when when uh, this was like. Two years ago, yeah, it was a and while we, ago. We were had band practice in your shop. Yep, and the um, your your um, you would be playing, and then like basically like his guitar would just go silent, and all you could hear was people banging on drums in the bass. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, and then the um, guy, other guy playing 
well, y'all were switching between rhythm and lead, so mm-hmm. it was like whatever. Um, so you can't say lead or rhythm guitar. It's the other guitar you can use. So Steven would go quiet. Yeah. And so we're cr- trying to figure it out. And I just took the box fan that was on the ground and stuck it in front. And then it started working again. And we, play- <laughs> and we played it that way for like a month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then it st- that stopped working. So oh, we had yeah. to take it apart. And it was because that regulator was just like cooking. That that But that regulator had been a trooper for like five years. years yeah. yeah, yeah. So we replaced all the capacitors in that circuit and that that transistor and uh, the regulator and it worked but the thing is though is it was rebuilt how that way and so it will fail again in like yeah Yeah. and but but i'm not but i mean i was hammering it for hours so yeah 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 so yeah that's that's the most i've done yeah okay back 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 to the jeep back to the jeep electronics so the vfd i was talking about yeah it's four by 40 uh character display so it's like a like a normal um cheapo lcd um, but it's big. Liquid crystal, actually, style um, character display. Yeah. But this is a uh, – it's four four lines tall, 40 characters wide. It's pretty large. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, the part number on that, it's my, it's my Nortaki. Um, yeah. Uh, they I, have it some tagline. Practically every VFD nowadays is Nortaki. Yeah. Um, it's CU40045-UW1J. You always have the most interesting part numbers. Part, part numbers, yeah. Thank you, Parker. <laughs> um, and I actually, I started using this uh, this display years ago, and so I decided to repurpose it for this because I have it lying around. And you have libraries written for it? Yes. I wrote some prop code to make it work. Um, I think it it's a, if I remember correctly, it's um, parallel slash serial, so you, like, double load stuff in. It's kind of interesting how it works. Um I'll post the PDF, I guess, so people can look and see what the protocol looks like. Um, I guess you can post the code, too, because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but that display is fairly expensive. I think it's like 150 bucks on DigiKey. Oh. I got it on Amazon, not Amazon, uh, eBay for $60. Still, so. that's pricey. Yeah, but it's really cool. Yeah, it looks nice. It looks yeah. really nice. Yeah, it's that nice, like, neon blue. So. Yeah, and it's bright. Yes, very bright. That's why I picked it because it has a crazy viewing angle, and it's really bright, so mm-hmm. you can see it when like, like all the suns are shining on it. And all of our suns. All the suns. What you don't live on Tatooine? We we will discuss that in a couple <laughs> of weeks. <laughs> Sometimes Houston feels like Tatooine. Tatooine. <laughs> no, that'd be Arizona. Yeah, it's a little yeah. too wet. Yeah, too wet here. Ta- it'd be Tatooine during the wet season. If there was one. Um, <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, so the only thing I need to figure out on the, on this thing now, at least on the cabin board, is how I'm going to do the switch I.O. Um, how I want to read those in and wire those up. Because I still haven't really... There's a lot of different ideas I have on it, and there's some trade-offs. So probably by the time I figure that out, like probably next podcast, um, I'll probably have a why I did... I'll tell you how I did it and what were the other options and why I did it this way and pros and cons and stuff like that. So, because I haven't explored all of them yet. But the... Um, and the switches I'm using, I found some very inexpensive toggle switches that you can buy in bulk on Amazon mm-hmm. that have an illuminated, like, LED on the end. Ah. And they're really cool because that LED, the ground pin for the LED is exposed on the back of the toggle switch. So, I can, I'm going to hook all those up into a... 
into a um, in a, into a FET on the board, and so I can toggle them, and so that I can use the dome light inside the Jeep because it's variable, so you can like adjust it on the dash. Oh, you're gonna have it go with it. Yeah, so that way you don't like if you, if you have the d- dome lights dim, these aren't like nuclear red shining down <laughs> in the cab. So just gonna PWM them. Yeah, PWM it with a with a FET. Cool. So. The only thing I haven't figured out about that yet is, like, because if I'm using the um, 14 volts, is I have to figure out. I'm probably have to use a BJT to drive the the um, the gate because the prop is only 3.3 volts. Oh, and this is yeah, a low yeah, side, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can't really, you know, I can't pull that pin up to 14 volts without blowing up the propeller. So I have to use BJT to. Or you could just do a FET to a FET. Same thing. Yeah. BJT seem to work better for that though. Sure, but I can use a FET. It's they're cheaper. E- either way works. Either way works. Yeah. yeah. FET to the FET. Yeah. It's kind of funky. A voltage. Uh, what do they call that? Uh, they call it a um, uh, DC shift transistor. Yeah. Like it, I think it's, I think it's funny. Uh, I I I absolutely hate it when people do this, but sometimes it works. But like the the uh, when you use a transistor in a specific configuration, people give the, that configuration a name. Yeah. Uh, like a DC level shift transistor. What that ends up sounds like is it sounds like the transistor is something really specific yeah. and like, oh, I'd have to buy a really specific transistor. No, it's just a configuration. It's just yeah. the way that you plug it. And for new gamers, man, that is hard to learn. Yeah. I That's annoying. Well, even just how different modes of transistors, transistors in general are hard to learn. Like all different- so weird. Yeah. Well, you have linear, you have nonlinear, you have saturation mode. So. Yeah, and then and then you get into FETs, and you have you have PNN, you have depletion and enhancement mode for each PNN. Yep. And those are those sort of work opposite to BJTs, and then you have JFETs, which sort of work opposite to that. And you're thinking about and you're you're forgetting about avalanche mode. That's I mean, right. that's a that's, it, that's what it's called. Yep. <laughs> and it only happens for a short period of time when you transition, but it's like it's something that you have to think about sometimes when you're designing high end motor controllers and stuff. Right. And then and then you have to ask the question like. Should I get a small signal uh, MOSFET uh, or should I get a power MOSFET for this situation? Yeah. Most of the time, that's an easy thing, but it's not always. Well, it's not always. As you're saying, it's not always because if you're doing a, if you're doing a motor controller that's really high speed and you want, you know, usually you have to have the FETs controlled by a microcontroller. And so you would say that's, you know, small signal. You want a level, a level gate, um, level bleh. threshold, threshold. You know, VGS. Um, yeah, VGS. You want that to be really low. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is your gate. Most time on those, the gate capacitance is ginormous. Right. And so, so you when slow things down, so it slows down your gate switching speed. Yep. Most of the time, it depends on how hard your microcontroller can drive that pin. And so, if you're doing it that way, then it's like, okay, now you need like an amplifier off your off your pin to hammer that gate as hard as it can to turn it on. And then it's like, okay, at that point, you can just use a power MOSFET and then a BJT or a smaller FET that's got a smaller gate capacitance to turn it on. Right. A lot of trade-offs. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff to think about. And and then half the time, that amplifier that you're doing itself is a transistor yes. that you have to worry about. Yes. And it starts to flip your logic, and then everything gets really yeah. nasty really fast. So. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to be, like... I bet you there are dedicated... I bet you, like, when you buy a dedicated microcontroller, like, motor controller, it has, like, 
super powerful outputs on whatever the controller is, so it bypasses that step. Probably. That would make sense. Like it's um, tri-states can pump out juice. Makes sense. Yeah. Usually you want something that has some, excuse me, some output capacity on your yeah. on your tri-states. Yeah. I mean, you don't want it to be like super weak or anything. Well, most microcontrollers are like in the 20 milliamps, which should be enough to drive a that but you you'll still get some slew you know okay so that's another interesting topic most microcontrollers have up to 20 milliamp capacity and that's sort of like screaming hot if you're doing full 20 but most microcontrollers have a total consumption maximum of 200 yeah. and you it you it's not hard to get to 200 milliamps uh you know especially let's say if you have a whole port so a bank of eight pins on a microcontroller and you hammer eight LEDs all at once. Yeah. You've eaten 160 milliamps. We'll just know? glue a penny on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> Come full circle on yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. Th- that could be the title of this podcast. Yeah. Glue a penny on it. <laughs> glue a penny on it. <laughs> uh, that would be crazy. Like if we, we get a order here at Macrofab and one of the steps in the assembly is glue a penny on top of the microcontroller or FET. <laughs> you know, uh, and one, one thing I have absolutely learned here is just, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it would not. It wouldn't. <laughs> oh, cool. So. so, Steven, you have something really cool to share now. Well, uh, so, yes. Oh, and- you think it's cool oh, of course it's cool well okay so actually let me let me let me shoehorn this in really quick on top of that because uh, i just remembered it so uh yesterday was sort of the last day at the science museum for me so our projects are like done done uh i will have to go back sometime eventually dun, to do dun, other dun, things dun. but yeah well no i think i'm gonna get paid if i go back let's put it that way uh, i've been there so many times now so uh but <laughs> they needed on one of the projects there's a there's a video screen that uh plays an animation while my project moves in fact uh-huh. it's the one that we posted a gift to uh and they have an engineer there that is setting all of that up and the funny thing was, like, I had always known that they were going to do that, and I had offered to help them mm-hmm. with that situation. But their engineer went through the whole process of, like, studying my design without a schematic or without the code. He was, like, doing logic probes and all kinds of stuff on my, on my, uh, uh, my box that I built to figure out, like, he was sniffing the lines and, like, what happens when things happen. And he built an Arduino circuit around my box that does all this craziness uh, in order to trigger the device. And and I talked to him last night. It was like, you went through a lot of trouble. You literally could have called me. I, I rewrote two lines in my code and I pulled a pin low and then pulled it back high whenever the the cycle was over. And now he's using that. And I was like, why didn't you just call me? They're probably used to not having that option. <laughs> probably. And so he just assumed... You the know. guy, the guy probably spent forever on that, uh, and I mean, it, it's a, it's a cool situation. He has an Arduino Leonardo or whatever. Okay. It's, it's, it's one of the Arduinos that can simulate a keyboard. Yeah, Leo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he sniffs my my logic from my controller, and when he senses that things are moving, um, then he uh, has that simulated keyboard and basically press spacebar on a computer, and it activates the animation. So it's a it's a hack, but it works, uh, and it's. But the problem with it was, it since it just presses a space bar, and he didn't he didn't have the uh, the code to determine when the cycle was over. Mm-hmm. 
you could just keep re-triggering it by pressing the button on the kiosk. <laughs> so that's why I was like, I'm pulling a pin low for you, and it'll go high when but you can re-trigger. This is the thing is, if you wouldn't known that from the start, you could have used a microcontroller to just simulate a keyboard on a port, and so you wouldn't have to have that board. Right, and, and a lot of these things were not predefined because yeah. a lot of them weren't designed until recently. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, I thought that was I, – I feel kind of bad. Like, I've totally probed other people's circuits and, like, figured their circuits out. But when someone does it to yours, you're like, man, I feel bad. Like, you had to go and do all that work, and you could have just called me? You know? Yeah, whatever. Well, you felt bad for a different way. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. You didn't feel, like, violated that he did that. Oh, I don't I don't care if he sees my circuit. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, dude. <laughs> yeah. Nah, Dude, I don't know. He, he, he did. He did. He did. Like, I, as with any engineer, he's like, "What the hell were you doing?" You know, like that kind of stuff. But he was also like, "I've never seen these uh, this PLC before," and he was like super intrigued about it. He thought it was cool. Uh, I used that PLC.us thing yeah. in there, so he thought it, he thought it was neat. And you know, he's got he's got an Arduino slapped on top of it to control all the screens. Hey, pretty cool. Okay, neat. so back to uh, back to the original topic, dip trace. Uh, released a new update this week, uh, or a couple days ago. Ooh. Yay! <laughs> version version three point two, and it is a very very uh, simple update. But I was like, every time I see an update fix, for Dipters, fix, fix bug in help file. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's surprisingly like that's that we get a lot of that. Uh, us dip tracers get get a whole bunch of that and and i have i, I printed off their whole change log for uh version 3.2 oh that's what that sheet of paper was yeah 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 and i'm not going to go through all of it because most of it is super boring and most of it's just like whatever it applies in like 0.1 percent of all situations but here's, here's here's one that i'm actually super excited about and we've been asking for it on the forums and stuff for a while you can now rotate and flip by groups when you are making patterns and Welcome to the 21st century. I know, I know. Like, tool. I, <laughs> there's some things about Diff Trace where I'm like, why, why? Like, if you if you drew your whole footprint mm-hmm. in the footprint editor, if you drew it vertically, and you now for some whatever reason wanted to make it horizontal, there was no way to because you wanted to make thing. it like I. Uh, IPC certified. Exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah. There previously there was no way to select all and rotate. You would literally have to go and change every single pad. Oh, <laughs> so they didn't have any cardinal rotation. Yeah, yeah. No, they they had none of that. And uh, in fact, okay. So the um, re- remember the synthesizer uh, with the uh, I was going to do all the LEDs around the knobs, mm-hmm. or I still want to do that. That that'll happen eventually. Uh, Instead of placing, okay, so there's, I can't remember how many LEDs it was. It was like 500 LEDs that were going to go on the board. What I wanted to do was I wanted to make a footprint in dip trace that had all the LEDs in their proper location. Well, without the rotate group command, I would have had to have placed all 500 LEDs individually on a circle, and that just would have screwed things up. So I'm kind of excited because now I can do it. Yep. Uh, so, Yay. Woo! There we go. Yeah. So you have something on here about Chinese solder woes. Okay. What this, is that about? This is this is a fun one. So that uh, that project I'm working on uh, for the um, the art piece that uh, my buddy mm-hmm. and I are putting up in um, the Contemporary Arts Museum coming up here soon. Oh, this is the other art project. The other art project. Okay. Yes. This, this is, is the one with the the. The falling rods. Falling rods. Yeah. Which, by the way, we tested it the other night. We did a full 
run with all yeah. the rods. It's awesome. Oh, yeah? It's, it's totally awesome. Yeah, like, I had it... So, I have it so it, it writes a complete random array to memory, and then it reads that back and drops those random locations. And I had it where they was dropping rods every three seconds, and and it was just it was just awesome. It was like it was like giant pickup sticks. Uh, ah. It was super cool, super cool, and it worked like a dream. So, um, yeah. So when has, I was has your wife gotten back her table yet? I I yes, my coffee table was a four by eight sheet of plywood with a bunch of solder on top of it for a while. She is, she's, my wife is a trooper and I love her to death. Uh, cause she puts up with my random stuff all over the, <laughs> my house. <laughs> the best is when you go into his apartment, there's a, there's a tire in there too. Uh, that has moved. <laughs> that, that she forced you to move. <laughs> no, I, I, I made the decision myself, myself on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't gone away. It's just moved. moved. <laughs> it's in a closet now. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is better. Uh, yeah, and it's got brewing gear on top of it. Go oh, figure. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. Uh, one of these days, I I just want to get the rim off of it. That's all I want. Yeah. Uh, because I'm driving without that rim right now. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, so back to this. Um, on that project, I had a bunch of soldering to do on these plates because I had the whole array grid yeah. thing. And I designed all these boards to solder to, um, and I picked up a, a, I actually ran out of some, some solder, some good lead solder. And so I found a spool here at Macrofab that was uh, floating around. It had actually been floating around for a while, and I think we got it. I can't remember where we got it from. It was some, like, we got something. Wait, was it that cheap soldering kit I bought? Yes. It was I, the $6 soldering kit I bought? I think that's what it was from. And I was, I was, so I was at the fab the other day and I was like, ah, I need solder and I need lead solder because I'm not going to solder with this lead free crap. And, uh, and I found that spool and I was like, okay, I'm going to take this home and just use this because nobody's going to want this. No. Uh, no, I so, gave it to you. It was sitting on your, your bench over there. Okay. Or yeah, that bench. Uh, my, my shelf, shelf with all my, my broken crap on it. Yeah. No, they're projects in progress. <laughs> A <laughs> pit. Uh, a bunch of pips. A bunch of pip projects in progress. I like that. I like. <laughs> well, then I need to get the synth off of it because the synth is sort of done. I got all the LEDs to add to it now. Uh, <laughs> put it on the shelf. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I take this this solder home and I start soldering with it, and I'm like, what the hell is this stuff? Because it just doesn't work. It doesn't. It barely melts. It gets all goopy. It looks like a really really bad weld job. Uh -huh. It doesn't make any smoke when you put it on the iron it just kind of like globs it didn't and melts. have flux in it exactly it was solid core it was solid solder with no flux in it at all so it doesn't stick to anything no uh and so well, i would if you fluxed it yes yeah well yeah i uh, no and the reason i say no is because the next day, I actually grabbed, I have a, a whole jar of RA flux okay. here. And I brought that home because I was like, well, I'll just fix this with RA flux because RA flux fixes everything. Yeah, right? it does. Yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I don't know what the alloy of this crap is. It is horrible. It doesn't solder. It doesn't stick to anything. Literally, I would solder the, a huge pad. And, and, and I on my board, I have a pad that is like an inch long by half an inch high. Yeah. And it's just a solid rectangle of copper. Like you, you—that's the easiest thing to solder to. Like you just put heat to it and slam solder into it, and it'll stick. Nope. I, I would, you, I would solder this thing. I'd put massive globs of, of solder on it, and let it flow, and then pull my iron away, and the whole thing would just bloop, just fall off of it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, 
I wonder if that it was stuff a, is horrible. I wonder if it's not lead. Uh, I I wonder if it's silver. It says PV on it. It it does. It does say lead on it. Also, it does say Chinese solder. Like literally, it says <laughs> Chinese, Chinese solder right on top of it. Yeah, uh, it's the worst stuff on earth. I mean, I went to Home Depot and bought Home Depot solder because it was close to my house. And Home Depot solder is better than that. And that's pretty bad. Did you did you get plumbing solder? <laughs> oh God, no, no. Uh, the the just like with the like the um, threaded fittings at uh, Home Depot, they've made solder really easy. Like you go and you buy the one that says electrical on the front. Electrical. Like you don't have to know what it is. It just says electrical. electrical. <laughs> you know. So yeah, you get. That. I bet you that was lead free though. Nope. It it I I, I looked at the package. It says lead. Huh. Yeah. I wonder what the alloy content is. Is it sixty forty? Uh, ninety nine percent lead, and one uh, percent flux. <laughs> the best stuff on earth. That's brazing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, watch out because not all solders are the same, and some solders are basically not solder. <laughs> we can talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just talk, talk a little more about solder. Okay. So I think we talked about solder before, but we can do it again. So if we have, it was a long, long time, time ago. ago. Um. So my favorite solder is I have a whole when when um, my grandfather passed away I went to go and we you know went through all this stuff and I found a box of solder and literally a box of solder it's like twenty pounds of solder um, it's a whole bunch of Kester four four um, from like probably the sixties seventies. All in cardboard boxes, one pound spools, and there's like 20 spools of it. Nice. Um, so I gave one to, was that the one you ran out of? No, 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 no. no. So that's I still, I, I have that one. It's just at, not at my house. Yeah. So it's 6040 with RA flux, and that stuff will solder anything. Oh, that is, that is absolutely, the, without a shadow of a doubt, that is one of the best solders I've it's ever It's not used. the best I've used, but it's, I have so much of it. It's like my go-to solder at home now. It is really good. Everything I solder on the Jeep is with that stuff i had a and it's a good it's a good diameter too yeah it's 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 um go look oh oh, okay he's got a secret a secret drawer with solder yeah there we go it's even in the old like square box yeah um this stuff is it does not have a diameter on it it's gotta have a diameter medium it is it's kester 44 resin core solder 281 resin core um. Ah, point oh, it's thirty-one mil. Yeah, which is which is pretty standard. Yeah, um, that stuff is awesome. It's not the best I've used though. And that's a sixty-forty blend. I've used a sixty-three thirty-seven. Yeah. By MG Chemicals, which is that big company that makes a lot of like, chemicals. Chemicals, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's that company that makes like your like. Let your flux spray, not flux spray, um, uh, the, the contact cleaner. Contact that's got cleaner with lube. Yeah, yeah, that stuff's awesome. Yeah. You had like a whole episode you talked about that. Because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, they they make a really good 6337 I've used. that has RF flux. And for some reason, that extra little bit of lead makes such a huge difference. Really? Yeah. I So so I, I'm a 6040 man. I, I like the 6040. Well, that's what you can get now. It's really hard to get that 6337 uh, now. And it's expensive, too. Yes. That's why when I found this whole box, 
my dad was like, oh, we're going to throw that away. I'm like, no, mine. That's a couple my hundred dollars worth of socks. Precious. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a question for you. When do you use, this might be simple, but when okay. do you use really thin solder? When do you use medium solder? And when do you use really thick solder? Whatever, the size of what I'm well, uh, soldering. So the, the smallest I like to go is this 031, even with like big stuff. Mm-hmm. May, oh, I mean, not big stuff, uh, small stuff, because I tend to use, like, big chisel tips to solder stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, TQFP, which has a 0.4 millimeter pitch, I will solder with a chisel tip that's, like... Just a monster That's, tip. like, two millimeters wide. Because yeah. what I'll do is I'll turn the, the iron sideways and use just the corner tip mm-hmm. and then drag solder with that. Gotcha. And so I'm not... At that size, I don't really need really fine stuff. Now, I do, like big stuff for big stuff like for doing trailer wiring when i get out my like 250 watt soldering iron oh the, the gun the gun yeah and then i'll have like you know it's almost like quarter inch diameter <laughs> rosin flux <laughs> wiring yeah yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's it o- o31 is about the smallest i'll go okay okay yeah. i never use really any finer we have some really fine stuff here that's like angel hair uh, you know it's like oh it's like Oh, oh, one something like no, that's sounds way too small. Yeah, that's that's a little. See, I think that's, it's, that's I think it's twenty thou or something like that. Uh, it's it's really thin stuff. It, that that stuff is really in, in for most applications. That stuff is really annoying. It's twenty. Yeah, yeah. twenty thou. Yeah, it's actually this is actually actually thicker that we have here. We have stuff that's actually smaller than this. I think we have yeah. oh, one sniper solder. Sniper solder. Yeah. If you're if you're if you're soldering like oh four oh twos. All day long, then sniper solder is okay. Uh, it's that's it, when you have a stencil and paste. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> okay, yeah. If, you, if you're soldering really tiny stuff or reworking, I guess, or yeah, something. Reworking, yes. Re- reworking would. Uh, so the, it's it's a giant pain in the ass when you have solder that's way too big. Yes. And it's also a pain in the ass when it's way too small. small. So there's there's always a window that works. Yeah. And and O thirty one, like the Kester that you have. Uh, that works really well yeah. for for most applications. Yeah, I think we have this. I think we have like point oh one, and then we have point oh two, and then we have point oh three two. Yep. And then we have point oh six four. And I think we have a size bigger than that here. Sixty four is like butt splicing wires, you know. Yeah. No, we have got some bigger stuff. It's pretty chunky stuff. I think it's over in this area. It's I'm, a, I'm like looking around. But but when it gets to that kind of stuff, you almost need a big iron. Just to make sure that it flows, you know. Yeah, and, point and, uh, sixty-two is the biggest we have here. Okay, yeah. and 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 the big the, the biggest problem about big solder. Well, well, okay, so with small solder, if you need more, you just keep feeding it. But the big thing that's annoying with thick solder is that once it flows, a lot of it starts to flow, and then you get, you know, bulbous joints. Well, the thing about the reason why you want to use big solder for big joints is because the bigger solder has more flux in the core yeah uh per volume right and so and you need that extra flux where if, if you're feeding a little tiny thin solder into the joint you won't get enough flux in there you'll get more solder and it, you you actually what you just said you'd have more bulbous you actually get that with the bigger stuff because you don't have enough flux to flow it right what do you mean with the small stuff? Yeah, small stuff. Right, but but it all depends on what the what the joint you're working on is. If you have a if you have a medium sized joint and you just need to feed more thin stuff, that works. Yeah. If you have a giant joint and you keep feeding thin stuff, it just kind of like drops. Yeah. 
uh, it just kind of like, you know, comes off the joint effectively. Yeah. It doesn't stick. Yeah, because you yeah. don't have no flux in it. Right. So speaking of flux, um, what's your favorite flux and how to use it, like application-wise? Mm. Pen, bottle. So okay. I have my own way too. So so I. Once again, like solder, flux is dependent upon what the situation calls for. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a big joint, I'll get a Q-tip and RA flux, and I'll just smear it on and go to town. And that's more like if I'm doing something where the solder has a mechanical aspect to it, I'll do RA flux and and just kind of smear it on, or I'll use an acid brush, okay, uh, something like that, because uh, you got you got either a brush or a Q-tip lying around yeah. somewhere. Um, now, when it comes to like the fine stuff, uh, an applicator needle in a in a, in oh, a yeah. little, Those little are the squeezy best. bottle, yeah, that's where it's at. Yeah, because I used to be um, I like flux pins until we started macrofab, and we then we had flux in bulk, basically gallon jugs of flux, mm -hmm. and so then I got the applicator bottle. I'm like, this is so much better. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's not because you can get applicator bottles that have the felt tip, but just the needle tip is the best, I think. Because you can just, like, squirt. It, like, it doesn't wear out. It doesn't wear out, but you can put as little or as much as you need. Yeah. And that's the biggest. With with soldering, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. As little or as much as you yeah. need. Yeah. So what, so you like RA. For an applicator bottle, so what do you like? Like, water-based? Water-based uh, water -based tends to stay on the board longer. You yeah. have more time to work it, um, but it's it's really greasy. Yeah, it is. And you that's the part it. that sucks. You have to clean it really well. Yeah. Um, well, you have to clean it. That's the thing. Right, right. Yeah. If you don't, it'll yeah, eat the RA, board, right? Yeah, RA, yeah, it'll just eat it up. Yeah. It'll eat the copper up and leave green fuzzy stuff all over your board. Yeah. Um, the uh, RA flux, generally, you can leave it. It depends. Well, uh, depends oh, how aggressive the RA flux is. Yeah, uh, so I work, obviously, we've talked about it a thousand times, but I've worked with a lot of old equipment that has a lot of old RA flux on it, and it, it, it goes through stages of, like, it starts out for, like earwax, and then it turns into, like, a crystalline structure, and then it goes to, like, granite. You know, <laughs> this stuff, it gets nasty with age. Yeah. <laughs> um. So from when I do like trailer wiring, or if I do any kind of automotive wiring that's old, because what's ha what happens when you make a crimp? Because all automotive stuff is usually crimped, mm -hmm. and with OEM stuff, they don't really care if it's sealed or not. So they don't use like a they don't use a sleeve with the umlaut. Ooh, yeah, um, they just which is <laughs> which, which is a, a heat shrink that's got adhesive lining. Yeah. So when you heat it up, it actually seals the joint right um so they don't do that so you what you get is moisture and gray ingression into your in, inside your insulation on your wire and so you'll like let's say the connector's messed up and so you cut the connector off and the, you cut like you know most of your connector repair kits have like 12 inches of wire that come off of it and so you cut 12 inches off your harness and then you strip the wire and the copper is black because <laughs> all the water ingression has gone into your cable and corroded your entire wire yeah and so now you got and you cannot you cannot solder to that stuff no You're, no and and normal flux won't do anything with it so i have actually a bottle of plumber's flux acid core acid no this is just a bottle of of what's in acid core it's it's plumber's flux. acid yeah it's plumber's <laughs> acid it's acid and so what you do is you dip it in that for a little bit and then wipe it off, and then that will get the oxidation off of it, and then you can 
put it up and use RA flux like normal. Right, right. Because, so. because, uh, and 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 stranded wire is really notorious for that. Because capillary action, yes, it sucks the water up and it just keeps going, keeps going. It and so sort of doesn't end. No, it doesn't. And it's one of those things like that's how cars in the future will die. <laughs> oh, the yeah, all the copper just gets all eaten the copper away. will be eaten away, and and you know you'll never be able to get a new wiring harness. So it's not like um, it's kind of sad. Well, it's it's either that or the plastics will just deteriorate to nothing. In a couple million years. Well, no, they just get brittle and fall apart. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually fight that in my Jeep because it's a 90s Jeep and plastics. American domestic vehicles, plastics sucked in the 90s. Mm. So, like, whenever I find a chance where someone's like, I made a X out of metal, I'm like, give me one. <laughs> so I can replace the plastic part with a metal part. Cause it just, and your car just keeps getting heavier. Yeah, it just keeps getting heavier. I think I actually it probably does weigh over 4,000 pounds now. Oh, yeah. The uh, oh yeah, the does. curb weight was three thousand seven hundred, brand new. It, but I have added a hard top. I've added a, a beefed up roll cage, armor, and bedliner. I've helped <laughs> you lift most of that. Yeah, yeah. It weighs over four thousand. It weighs over four thousand pounds now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. so that was solder and flux. Yeah, solder. Oh, so speaking of plumber's flux or or acid core. Oh, pl- plumber's ass. <laughs> crack yeah, um, don't use that to solder electronics oh yeah no it'll eat right through it yeah, yeah like it will eat through it in like a couple hours yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's why at home depot they have on the box it says electrical electrical yeah. <laughs> right they try to dumb it down as much as possible and so for this guy we talked about leaded though Lead-free stuff. I know. Nah, what's the point? We don't need to talk about that. Well, so at MacFab, we <laughs> use we use SAC 305 for SMT. Uh, the, the, as in the paste. And wire. So if we have yeah. to do any kind of touch-up work on SMT, it's SAC 305. Because you don't want to mix alloys. Mm-hmm. But for through-hole, we do SN100 or SN99, which is essentially 100% tin. Yep. Yeah. Which is... That's because that's what's our what's in our selective solder. It, that's what it came with, and so we kind of were like, "Well, we got thirty five pounds of saw of SN one hundred. I guess we're going SN one hundred for all through hole." And and I actually uh, a couple months ago <laughs> I took a sample from yeah. the selective solder oh, and yeah, I we, sent it off to a lab. We completely forgot to talk about that at yep, the time. Yep, uh, that was back when I was playing quality games, so I yeah. was I was checking things. Yeah, uh, it we was, sent off a soldering tip and stuff like that too. Yeah, I, yeah, we sent off a soldering tip and they they carved through the soldering tip and they they did some I don't know electron microscope thingies spectrogram. Yeah, whatever. They they found out what the the makeup was, uh, and and the whole point is just to we knew we were lead free. But uh, if somebody asked us, we wanted proof that we were lead-free. So I sent it off to a shop, and we were lead-free, but it gave us a, a breakdown of all the crap that's in our selective solder pot. Yeah, and actually, it was a lot cleaner than I ever thought it would be. It, you know, for how it looks, yeah. <laughs> it's really clean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's tin and dross, and yeah. dross is just oxidized, oxidized crap. tin. Basically, Basically yeah. yeah. And yeah. we'll oxidize anything. So when you do – that's the thing was when you do um, – like wave soldering and stuff, it actually will like for because we have an enig which is electroplated, um, electroless nickel in gold. Electroless, actually, yeah. Uh, but it has a gold finish, base, gold flashing on mm-hmm. on the pads. It actually will rip some of that gold off. 
Oh, when, in, when you, for wave solder? Wave solder and yeah. selective. It will actually rip some of that gold off, and so you get gold or whatever your surface finishes into your pot, and that's actually one of the big reasons why you have to eventually swap it out is that level starts to just build up, and then it sucks Stop at soldering. Stops sticking. It stops soldering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and something to, uh, that is worth noting is, like, that you put – we we always check we we make sure that things are are lead free but at the same time you got this big pot of molten lead it's spraying up onto a board and sometimes it drips back down what if one of those components maybe had some lead on it it could drip back down and contaminate your pot yeah so it's worth checking yeah. uh, even though like the chance of it happening is incredibly slim you know but it had no lead in it so it, yeah yeah the lead content was nothing and neither did our soldering tips yeah. Uh, so we knew that, but you know, if somebody were to ever audit and say, Hey, we can say, uh, we're sure. Yeah. We got documents that say otherwise. Yep. Yep. Cool. So we can go on RFO real quick. Mm-hmm. So let's do these as we've been at this for almost an hour now, right? Uh, four minutes to an hour. All right. So let's do each RFO in two minutes. Okay. Go, go. Um, the amazing $1 microcontrollers. This was, um, I like it. Done. Yeah. Next Jay, one. <laughs> no, so Jay Carlson, uh, he has a website called jcarlson.net. Go figure. Um, he did a comparison between 21 different microcontrollers that are all under $1, all different manufacturers, and also did their tools they have, what peripherals, how fast they are, all this stuff, like uh, to set up Blink, all that stuff. And, yeah, really cool. It's um, jcarlson.net slash microcontrollers. Did he, like, rank them? Yeah. Okay, so there is a number one? Uh, well, he didn't rank him as number one, but he's like, this one's really good. EFM8 was number was top of the list. Ah, I thought yeah. it might be. I thought yeah. it might be. <laughs> um, yeah, really cool. Um, his website is really like Web 2.0-y. Ah. Yeah, so tiles like, everywhere. And oh, tiles and, and parallax. Like, yeah, actually when you scroll down, like the graphs, like you scroll down and then you get to the graph of like speed and then like, each individual bar like goes out to what the speed is and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. real snazzy. Real snazzy. Cool. But cool article. Go give it a read, Stephen. I uh, you will have to now. Okay, that's two minutes, right? Uh, just under actually. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so topic two is Alibaba buys into CPU company to support Ali OS. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So this is this reminds me of just like when Amazon came out with AWS, which is the Amazon Web Service. Yep. Um. Basically, Alibaba bought a stake in a Chinese microprocessor manufacturer to promote the development of processors which support AliOS. I have no idea what AliOS is. Wait, there's an OS for Alibaba? Yeah. Uh, Amazon's got one. Really? Yeah, that's what their tablets and crap run. Huh. Yeah, the Amazon Fire runs its own OS. Well, oh, that makes sense, but why does Alibaba need one? Because they're going to be the Chinese Amazon. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, they're kind of the Chinese Craigslist right now, so they need to step <laughs> step their game up. <laughs> um, but no, because it comes. This is what made me think of of Amazon Web Service is they have a AliOS. They have a cloud computing option, which is what AWS is cloud hmm. computing. Okay. Um, so yeah, and they have an AliOS things for IoT, which is f what things of Internet of Things. But okay. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's interesting. More competition. The only problem is where the servers will be located at. 
Um, if they're located in China, then you have the Chinese government to really worry about. I mean, you, I guess you have to worry about here, you know, the NSA. We're getting all, like, tin hat right now. but I'm getting the foil out. Yeah, get the foil out. Because, um, like, technically, like, the NSA can go into AWS and audit crap. Um, but over there, um, the Chinese government can just go, hey, we really like that thing that's running on the server, so we're just going to take it for ourselves. <laughs> I'm I'm interested. To yeah, see we'll what see this... what happens. Any I put this way, any competition to because right now AWS is really the only big thing. There's a couple other people out there trying to do it, but they're like the big guy, the big juggernaut basically in mm-hmm. cloud computing. And so if anyone comes up, I think if anyone could be, it'd be Alibaba to, you know, be a decent competitor. It's interesting. Yeah. And and getting into the microprocessor game. Well, there, I think, yeah, it's it's probably building microcontroller or microprocessors for like tablets and stuff that can run their OS. Yeah. So probably implementing a a um, uh, a very it's like it's like the Apple uh, Apple basically custom makes their own CPUs for inside their iPhones so that they run faster supposedly. Okay. Probably similar thing. But you but you don't ever buy one tablet. You buy ten thousand a month. Uh yes. and they're they're five cents a piece. Yeah. Uh, and DHL shipping is free. Eight, eight, yeah, free. Right. <laughs> free. So, yeah, free. There we go. That's it how it shows works. up in a box all taped all yellow box tape. Yeah. More tape than actual box. Oh, uh, your box, yeah. 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 And it smells like burnt tires. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Ollie. We've ordered so much stuff on that. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and it's always the same. Yeah. Yeah, the best was when, um, yeah, when because because engineering is here in the warehousing at at Macrofab, and so when like new shipments come in, you can definitely tell where they came from just from the smell. Oh yeah, yeah, and they have that really distinctive, clear yellow tape, tape. that's yeah. all over the box. Yeah. yeah, I mean they make the tape has to be cheaper than the box. Yep. Yeah, uh, actually, one of our guys out on the floor showed me something he bought today. Uh, I can't remember where it was from. He, it was like ah, whatever. But he paid a dollar for it, and it was a USB um, power monitor that you plug in. Oh uh, shit! It was only a dollar. He plugged that into my computer. It was a buck. It was a dollar shipped from China. One dollar. Jeez. Uh, and I'm more worried about what that infected my computer with. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he showed it to me today, and and he was like a dollar. I was like, uh, I don't know if I trust that. Yeah. So, we should open it up and look at the solder quality. Oh, it's it's got to be well. The way he he explained it to me is is uh, the the product I guess failed, and they're just trying to get rid of them. Hmm. But uh, at a dollar a piece shipped. Actually, oh. um, let's let's ask. Ramon is the one who got it. That's right. So we'll ask Ramon on where he got it from. So we'll order one and then do a build breakdown on it. It's like wish.com or or something like that. I can't remember what it is. Sounds sketch. It's total sketch. As long as I can use a PayPal account to pay. But, it, hey, it worked. That's the thing. But it probably infected your computer. Probably. Yeah. You yeah. now have Ali yeah. OS. Yeah, I had the, the, <laughs> the uh, Ali HIV. <laughs> <laughs> Or the uh, Hep Hep Alley, <laughs> <laughs> and the sound goes wild. Yeah. Okay. What? It, 
finish this up. Okay. <laughs> so that was the Magpap Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Parker Dillon. And Stephen Craig. See you later, guys. Take it easy. Thank you, Yes You, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic that you want Stephen and I to discuss, tweet us at MacFeb or email us at podcast at MacFeb.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest MEP episode right when it releases. And please review us on iTunes. It helps this show stay visible and helps new listeners find us. And that was the first time I did it without adding anything except this end part.